Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and it is my both mission and pleasure to highlight uh, various tactics and um, all that stuff for, for creatives, so that way your journey can be a little bit easier. And part of how I like to do it um, is to share the various people that I know in my life who I think are very, very talented and you know, bring them to the forefront to highlight their skill set, but also um, because I know they have a lot of amazing, incredible stuff to share with you as well. And so today I get to share Armani Barone, uh, who is, among other things, a graphic designer. Specifically, uh, her and I just recently got to know each other. She worked on a film pitch deck for me. If you've been watching my vlogs, you've kind of heard me talk about it. Um, and if you have, uh, you probably heard me say that. What a wonderful experience it was. And um, so... You know, uh, that's how I, we kind of got connected through a mutual friend and it took off from there. Um, and, you know, interestingly enough, one of the first things that you said to me was um, you do do film pitch decks, but it's uh, you've kind of stayed away from it in terms of that. You work on other stuff. So I'm kind of curious of, A, what is that stuff that you primarily work on um, and, and, what you know, all that stuff. So give us a little kind of introduction. Yeah, thanks for like having this conversation with me. Um, well, I'm a full-time art director for a small agency here in Brooklyn. Um, we do commercial productions. So I work on concepting as well as like, you know, really bringing each project like from conception to execution. And that means like overseeing the props, the look and feel, like the wardrobe and things like that. So I really love that aspect of it. Um, I actually, I mean, doing decks like really sort of like, I don't want to say fell into my lap, but I worked with another production company and they were like, we know you can do graphic design. Do you want to start working on decks? And I really love the process. I love just like seeing other people's ideas come to life and like being a part of that process, especially like at such like a, an early stage in it. Mm -hmm. And I think it also makes me a better creative too, because I'm able to like look at different facets of production in really unique ways and see how like other creatives, especially like, I mean, I feel like everyone, I'm really always so inspired by like how their minds work and how they approach projects from, from the very beginning. So it's like really, it's, I've been really fortunate to like get that insight on so many different kinds of projects. Yeah, that's awesome. And I definitely want to kind of follow that thread, but um, just also looking at the various things you've done. So you've done production design work um, for films as well. Yeah. How did, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about that experience as well? Because I'm, I'm curious. Um, well, like, I, that's something I definitely is my first love. Like, I really love working on production design. Um, I just really love creating these worlds that the film and the actors live in. And there's just something so special and also so very, like, uh, temporary about these spaces. And I, I think it's just really... I just felt really fortunate when I create this like moment in time, this like place in time that doesn't even really exist, but just like in this moment on the, in this film. Uh, my last project that I, I do a lot of styling for our commercials, but my last narrative was for um, a web series in Chicago called um, All American Sex Offender. That was uh, essentially, it's about a woman who, um, and she's intoxicated and urinates in a public park and gets arrested and her life sort of spirals from there. So I really have a lot of fun working on that comedy. And it's such a shame that I feel like a lot, like a lot of narrative has slowed down with the pandemic, but 
I do have another one coming up this summer that I'm really excited about too. So I'm glad that it's picking back up. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, one of the things kind of that I noticed with it, you, um, you're just so versed in kind of these various things. And what I appreciate about you is you're always in support of the project and, you know, you and I partly maybe because you already had that connection. Like, um, you know, I said like scanner darkly in terms of reference movie and you already got that. And so, um, you know, there, we were able to have that shorthand, um, but nonetheless, I, I, I get the, the sense that even if it wasn't a movie, let's say you were familiar with, while we perhaps may not have that shorthand, I, I appreciate your ability to kind of put yourself in that mindset of really, you know, um, the specific project, which I don't think most people, you know, I, some people try to claim to do, but I don't think that's always the case. I understand that's not really a question, more of a compliment, but. <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you. No, I mean, uh, I also love about like filmmaking, like it's such a team sport. Like you're just one part of the machine in a way that you, everyone's like really putting their all into it. And I, that's also what I love about like jumping from project to project. It's like the styles change, the subject changes, but like the heart of like wanting to be a part of this project and like work as a team is still like there across the board, you know? Yeah. And I don't, you know, speaking for myself, like one of the great things about having someone like you as part of a team is this idea that like, I don't know, maybe it's different for other people that like are true auteurs and really are geniuses. I know I'm not. And so like having someone that is just that skilled in it really helps because, um, you know, for me, like, I'll admit I, with the pitch deck, it is a little bit newer to me and things like that. And so I don't always know what I'm looking for. And so to have that feedback is beneficial to me. Um, not that you have to get into specifics, but I'm curious, like, is that a rarity uh, for you? You know, cause sometimes I've heard like the horror stories, they just want you to do it a certain way versus not. And so I'm just kind of curious, like if you could assign like just an estimated percentage of you know, what that might, you know, your past experience. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I feel like there's a range. Sometimes I work with people who are like, I have sort of no idea what I want. And then I worked with other people who like, I need this deck to look exactly like this. Here's my mood board. And in both instances, like I have worked on enough projects in life to know that like, I am in service to the project itself. And it's not about me. It's not personal. I just want to make that vision like come to life in the best way possible and make suggestions along the way. And sometimes it's a part of just like being humble and like sort of surrendering yourself to it a little bit. And at the end of the day, like it, if it were my movie, I know I bet I'd want to communicate it a certain way. So it's, it's about like, you know, I think it translates from like being a production designer on film and like having followed the director's vision. Like I can only, you know, bring in the props and style them or like build the set a certain way based on that direction. But at the end of the day, like the director overall like makes the final call. And like, I think that my, that my attitude is like translated from that like into graphic design as well. Yeah. And you know, what's kind of interesting to me. So when you say like, cause I think there is a difference you know, sometimes people might not have the vision and I've experienced this where someone really isn't giving you much. And then, you know, you present something and they're like, it needs to be better. It's like, okay, better. How, like, do you want more color? Do you want more of this? It's like, just, just make it better. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of almost, you know, working backwards from that. 
Because like you, for example, when we were starting off, um, you sent me like, a, you know, these Pinterest boards and things like that. So I could select what I like. And I'm, I'm very curious about that process in terms of how, you know, um, you start the line of communication and then also just conversely, like um, whether with you or other craft, graphic designers, you know, someone like what's, what's, a, what's a good way to communicate someone's vision? Is it always just like, hey, here's reference points or like, you know, so that way there is a little bit more symbiosis? Yeah, that's definitely a process that I've like really honed in on over the years. I mean, my younger self would, I feel like, would sometimes submit roughs without like getting the full idea of like what they're looking for. And that just like kind of wastes everyone's time. So like really leaning into resources that help you build those mood boards and sort of help you like further hone in on the direction they want to go in. It's just like so helpful. And it's like when you do something and someone gives you like a lot of feedback, often it's because like you've given them something to chew on and it's not like you've done a bad job. Like this, even this part of the process is like super helpful because at least, you know, like if they hate it, then we can go the totally different direction, which is honestly pretty rare. Or if they have a lot of feedback, then at least we have like a, a foundation to like get started on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's very helpful. And I found that, just in any sort of visual medium, right? Um, I work with like graphic artists, but in like the VFX world and things like that. And so when I can have a, you know, clip of a of another movie and say like, hey, this is kind of what we're going for, but these are the changes that always seems to to make it a lot easier as opposed to just writing something on a piece of paper. Yeah, exactly. When I do story, when I work on storyboards with my agency, I'm always like including reference images and trying to give them as much as like a launch point, you know, instead of just saying like, there's a woman with a wine glass. I try and at least find an image of a woman with a wine glass and be like, here's what I don't like about this frame versus just like, here's a description and like, good luck at interpreting it. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah, for me, it's just on a quick side tangent, um, you know, the movie that uh, we're sort of working on together in some sense, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very kind of sci-fi world, but, you know, you write one line of description and the way it can be interpreted by so many different people is so different. So yeah, having some sort of reference always helps. Um, okay. So um, now I'm trying to think of um, various things. So as far as like, how does it differ from, you know, let's say commercial pitch deck to production design? You know, um, I'm curious about the similarities and the differences, because obviously they're ultimately I'll say dip, I'll use the word mediums, even though technically mm-hmm. they're not. But um, at first thing, like I make like before a shoot, I wake up in the middle of the night like, oh, my God, what did I did I forget anything? Or like the biggest thing is like with design, like in, in most instances, except when it's like print, you can always correct something or adjust it later, you know, or visit something a few months if you need to. Um, versus like in production design, like you need to like often if things have to be fabricated ordered ahead of time, measurements need to be correct, colors need to be correct, then like you get to set, it's got to be there on time, it's got to be ready for the shot, then of course, then they frame it out of the shot, so it didn't matter after all, but um, th- there is just like the the risk sort of feels different, like the stakes feel a lot different, and I've never like just like the level, I don't want to say anxiety, but just like the awareness of double checking orders, double checking like small props and details. Like 
there's a there's a big difference there with that sort of that like uh, I don't say worry, but like that concern of like making sure that everything is getting to where it needs to be the right time that you're on budget. Whereas graphic design is a lot more forgiving in that arena. Well, it's also, you know, in hearing you describe it, right, it comes to mind um, graphic design, not that it, it's not without its deadlines and without its stress, but, you know, fil- like filmmaking in and of itself, like, you know, shoot days are so hectic. And so you're not even necessarily in front of a computer, you know, you've got to kind of, you know, perhaps get out in the field and so forth. And like you mentioned, it, it's, there's a level of collaboration that's a little bit heightened, Um, you know, where there is the cinematography and technically, you know, unless it's like a pure, pure Indian, you're doing everything. You're technically handing off your production design work to set decorators and so forth to then enact it. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's very fascinating. Um, I've, uh, what kind of like bridges that gap though. So I've worked on quite a few music festivals now, and there is definitely like, you know, the deadlines for those assets are much less arbitrary often, you know some projects I worked on don't really have as much as like a hard, like need since to print or like people need to know these like tickets are on sale for this artist. And that's where like the stakes can feel pretty high too. And there is a big, uh, a lot of pressure to get things out in a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. How is, um, you know, speaking of music festivals, uh, tangentially related to that, how is like the, the past year impacted how the, 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 the nature of graphic design work for you? Um, I think it, there was definitely, so I do a lot of experiential too. So essentially when the pandemic first started, experiential just like didn't exist anymore, you know, for obvious yeah. reasons there. Um, with graphic design, I think, honestly, like I think there was a, a bit of a, a reshuffling, but there was definitely always a need for designers like throughout the pandemic, especially when it became to, I worked for like a big insurance company for a while, freelance. I worked on a uh, drive-in concert series so the projects were still there I think the nature of them shifted a little bit and like what industries had suddenly like a huge need for design and which industries had less so yeah. so I think that was like kind of the shift that happened overall got it got it did you find you know um I say this jokingly but obviously it's very serious in this sense but like how many um designs did you have to do that were COVID specifically related about like safety or you know six feet apart type stuff oh um for for both insurance, like related to the pandemic, a lot of people don't know about pandemic insurance. And I think if I believe the only, um, the only sporting event that had like actual pandemic insurance was like Wimbledon. So they actually Mm -hmm. made a ton of money off of like COVID not happening. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure that's (laughs) the one. Um, Versus like for the concert series, of course, a lot of like, you know, stay within your designated parking area, you know, six feet apart, like very serious. And it's, it's crazy how much that's going to like affect us for the rest of our lives, even, you know, once it's like safe to be near other people and like as a, as more people get vaccinated, I think, you know, six feet is always going to trigger everyone in a different way these days going forward, you know. Yeah. In the word mask, like even written, like not even the context of wearing one, but it could be about a theater or it could be just about a costume, but it's definitely going to like trigger that, like those thoughts, you know? Yeah, exactly. How do you, uh, I'm curious, how, how do you kind of balance creativity versus w- with meaning, right? Because I look at, or maybe meaning is not the right thing, but like impact, because for all intents and purposes, um, you know, even just creating a graphic that says like, you know, six feet apart, 
is obviously very meaningful and, and impactful and needed, but, you know, with, with no disrespect to that. And, you know, I, I obviously, you know, not taking the, the pandemic lightly, it's not as creatively fulfilling. Right. So, um, and I'm, doesn't, just have to be about the pandemic, right? You know, we can go back pre-pandemic and kind of look at that. There's the artists will always have to balance the need to just get something done because it's required versus like artistic creativity. So I'm kind of curious, like what your thoughts on that balance in general is, you know? And how yeah. You- I mean, that goes across like into both mediums of like graphic design and production design, where there are so many small props or small Easter eggs and things that, no one's ever going to see. Like we did a commercial for Bank Heist and I designed all of like the bank's ads and brochures and no one's going to read these things. No one's going to like ever see Wait, them. Who, but like who's shooting me. a commercial for a bank heist? I'm curious about that now. <laughs> uh, it was actually for Acorn's investment app. So you should check it out. We had a lot of fun working on that one. Got it. So got it. those little things, like I find like such joy in and that even, even if it's sort of like mundane, I think it's fun. Like I have my own, like basically like cinematic universe now of like (laughs) (laughs) interly like copy and reuse logos and things. And then with graphic design, it's just, you know, some things are really mundane and boring and you're working on, you know, things that you don't feel is like super important or super exciting or super sexy, but maybe you can learn a new skill while you're working on it. Maybe you can find a new shortcut in Illustrator. Maybe you can do that extra like little bit of letting that makes it feel like a little bit cleaner and you feel good about it even though like it's going to be an annoying google ad that someone's just like trying to escape later you know so what it's are, really, like, finding enjoying the little things you know yeah i'm curious i'm, I'm going down the, down the hole what are what are some things you have learned specifically if you can recall from from those types of jobs um just like the joy in, a, in the grid system just like what does that mean? That, uh, so just like setting up a grid in your design file and just like nudging things over just like a hair and how good that feels and how to better set up files. Um, for the festival, for example, we have like a bunch of assets that go out for each artist. So then finding the best way to set up my Illustrator artboards. So when I export everything, it comes out clean and just like everything's named correctly for the files. Like just like really the things that make just make you more efficient like as a designer. So like taking those mundane things and using that as an opportunity to just like get faster at the mundane things you can get them over with. Yeah. Um, that's also interesting. I mean, I know it's a, uh, this topic might be boring in some sense, but I think it's, it, it's something vastly overlooked of like organization and efficiency. Right. And especially, oh and oh especially like when you're working with multiple people, cause it's one thing, you know, you can organize yourself and you can kind of have a system and maybe you learn other people's system but then, of course, I, f- I feel like there's the inevitability, like someone's going to dump just these assets on you and they're just like, what is this? <laughs> I work on a lot of um, artist files for concerts and live events and the artwork we'll get from, from them and that we have to repurpose into different ad sizes. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> that is some, sometimes the most frustrating process. You're just like, why is this PSD flattened? Like who, like what masochist is sending files like this? So things like that definitely are like, nothing is more valuable than a designer who like, you know, works really cleanly in a way that they're, you know, prepared to hand files off. And I've worked with so many other great people that I feel like have like mentored and trained me to be like a better coworker, like overall, you know. Would you say that's a key component of like someone who's just great 
as an individual artist versus someone who's like a company asset. You, you know what I mean? Cause like, I, I feel like there are, there's a lot of wonderful people I know um, and they create good stuff, but they're just so sloppy and disorganized. It's like, no one can make heads or tails. Of it. Like you've got to be able to function within a greater unit. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think what happens a lot is like a lot of designers work in solo sometimes and it's like in silo sometimes. And it's like, why would I need to name this file correctly or name these layers correctly or have this be organized in a way that I can hand it off if I am a one man show. But if you want to work on bigger projects, like you have to be able to work with other designers, uh, especially for like large events or like, you know, large scale productions. And so that's like so important, you know, if you have a sick day and someone needs to like find your file or make edits later, like that's like your coworkers will thank you. And it just like makes everyone's jobs easier, you know? Yeah. What would you say are like the, the most important things about kind of this? Is it literally just kind of like putting in stuff in folders and labeling? Like, is it as basic as that? Or is there something beyond that? that is uh, also a layer, linking your, your files correctly. So when I open it in design, I'm not like all my links are broken and I can export correctly. There's just like a lot of the small points that just can be like really frustrating and you want to make sure that everyone has all the assets they need, like at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I think it's, uh, it's definitely one of those things that's so mundane, but so many people overlook like in the video world, you know, when you consolidate something and you have to hand it off to the colorist or sound, you know, I think it's a very, yeah, I never, for me, I never want them looking at me like, what the hell did this guy do? <laughs> You don't want to be that guy when you send over your video files and then like all your paths are broken and they're like, oh my God, now I have to hunt through 300 clips to find the 20 that I need, you know, for this yeah. project. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and I'm, you know, uh, graphic design, like anything creatively is just an ever evolving thing because of technology. So how do you, are there like magazines that you keep in touch, you know, that, that help you podcasts, YouTube videos, like how do you kind of ultimately stay up to date um, beyond just doing it to, you know, learn it's, more new stuff? It's honestly pretty hard. And what's also pretty crazy is like how cyclical like design is and the things that like, I remember talking to my friend, Eric, who's like another designer I work with a ton and he's taught me like so much like the things we used to do in art school, like that people would say like, oh, that's not correct, is now like on trend and in now. So what's what's an example of that? Not to cut you like, off, but. Like really like, um, like minimal, like, uh, like <laughs> really dynamic typography. Um, and like, you know, thicker borders, really heavily gridded layouts. Um, things that we just like leaned away from, um, using like, I guess more into like the Swiss, Swiss design has like always been in, but like kind of like how breaking that up more and like really working with, and then breaking your grids. Um, I think it's really come a long way going like more into like a distorted route, like the layering in a more experimental way has definitely come back in. Um, and these are all things I think are great. I think if anything, it just shows that like, you should just follow like what you think looks good aesthetically in your own tastes. And then eventually like people will <laughs> catch on. Yeah. I mean, it's, isn't it always very fascinating, you know, people always try to kind of go and mimic a trend. Um, and sometimes it works, but other times it doesn't. And 
to me, I found like no one's, if, if everyone was so good at predicting how audiences would react, then every like Hollywood movie would be a hit. But it's like, no, it's not because you just don't know. No, so. exactly. Exactly. I think what's important to remember is like all the best artists like really don't. Well, there's there's two there's two different ways. I mean, some people are really good at interpreting different styles and then like applying those. And I think there's a, a really great um, amount of like technical craft involved there. And some people are really good at honing in like their style and really owning it. And I think that that's like really valuable too, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Out of curiosity, have you like, have you had to like mimic something like the Mona Lisa into something else? <laughs> you know, it, like it's the classic, like just taking the Mona Lisa and putting it into something else. Um, I've had a few things where I feel like I have like had to mimic other styles and I don't feel like I'm like well-versed enough in their like techniques to fully like translate it. And that could be a hard barrier sometimes. And that's where the tutorial needs to come in. Mm-hmm. What is, what is your favorite style? Um, if you had to pick one. Um, I mean, naturally I'm like pretty, I'm, I've always been a really clean designer, like super minimal. Um, I just like when things have room to breathe and there's like air and like you can really like comfortably like digest the information. So that's always been like where I've le- leaned towards and I've been working to incorporate like more texture and like more just sort of like grit into like my designs now, but it's always still going pretty clean. Got it. So <laughs> to that point, you know, just, just as a thought exercise, if you had to design a scene for like a, you know, if you were, this was a production design job and you had to design like a hoarder's bedroom, <laughs> would you even mentally be able to tackle that because oh of your God. minimalist just, inclination? Like, like, bring in everything. Sometimes <laughs> like, it's really hard to do like lived. I mean, I was actually looking at, uh, pictures from Ferris Bueller's day off um his bedroom is like super chaotic there's a ton of stuff like the classic you know teenage boy bedroom set, set decoration and I did another um another short uh indie in Chicago um actually I don't know if it ever got released it was like a student film a while ago but I did her bedroom and I remember being like oh I really should have had like way more stuff like her room is like way too clean now but so like inherently it's something I'm working on is like just pushing for more things. I think it's always, but also like, do you, it's like, but do you want to go that like expected route too? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, that answer your question if I just went like talked in a circle just now. No, I mean, I, I think you did in the sense that, uh, that much like with, you know, as we kind of open up with the graphic design work, you're very much putting yourself in the shoes of that. Right. So if you're designing a bedroom, um, you know, for whoever it is, you're putting themselves yourself in those shoes. And like you were saying, like, is this messy enough for, for, you know, the, you know, that, that short film or not. And so by doing that only, you know, that's what answers that question, you know, because obviously it's, you know, you're in service of the art, not like, Oh, this is not my bedroom that I'm decorating, <laughs> you know, um, for that same short, actually, there was a cafe scene that we, we created a cafe and like, what well, was a, the condos like multi-use room so it's just like a, essentially an empty room and I printed a bunch of uh like show flyers from previous festivals and shows that I worked on so that was like really fun to have like to bridge that gap of like I need a bunch of posters oh yeah we were designed a bunch I, it's okay for me to use these you know so that was like a really great opportunity to make something really messy and like also bridge those two 
my two like careers together. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm, I'm just thinking like the value of that in general, right? Because if someone, let's say, gives you just a complete space that is not intended for the use of the scene, but how creatively, you know, putting a prop here or hiding something here and you could, you know, and part of that would, you know, I would imagine would have to be dealt with the cinematographer, but like, okay, what if we, if we shoot it from here and we're just getting this little portion of it, then we can make it look at like, you know, the thing that it's supposed to, even though we're whatever on an airfield or something, I don't know, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, no, I think, I think that's a great skill to have. Um, Well, is there anything um, that I haven't touched upon that, that you would like to kind of, uh, you know, talk about and discuss before we wrap out? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess what I'd say is that don't put so much pressure on yourself to decide like where your creative career is going. Um, I went to school for advertising art direction, which I guess I'm doing now, like full circle, but like, what do you mean um, you're back in school or what is that? Oh, no, I mean, I'm I'm an advertising art director now, but actually when I graduated, I like thought that I'd immediately be in like some big agency like Leo Burnett or DDB and that didn't happen for me and I for a while I felt like I was sort of like kind of like question like what I went to school for or if it was right for me and that my journey like personally just like I got to I've worked on so many amazing projects because I didn't follow that traditional path and now I'm in an, in an agency as an art director at a great spot so it really does like all work out at the end yeah no, it's, it certainly does. And, um, you know, I often point to a book called uh, Range by David Epstein, where he talks because people think like a career path has to be very linear. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that he talks about is yeah, oftentimes by having this disjointed um, seemingly career path it ultimately puts you in a better position because you can you have that wealth of, of experience in all these other places to to create something almost unique you know yeah exactly like if i hadn't done all of my other design and production uh work before this job like i i can't imagine being able to do it without it so it definitely was worth taking the path less traveled there absolutely well i certainly have uh had a joy working with you and uh you know i'm sure i'm sure our paths will cross again um in the meantime for audiences out there where can they kind of keep up with your various work and and things of that nature oh yeah you can follow me on instagram armani.barone uh pretty straightforward to the point awesome um and i will i'll also link to all that stuff in the description box to make it easier so you can i'll just click through there um well thank you so much for joining me